thought, well, this is love walk number 14. I have no idea how many there'll be, but uh, this is it. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray again this morning that by your great grace that you would grant us your spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that our hearts might be flooded with the light of this truth of your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I give you praise for it, and I thank you that you help us today to truly incline our ears unto your word, that we might receive the strength, the strength, the anointing that's in it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, this is number 14, and I'm going through the epistles, as I said, just because I so longingly desire for you people to see that, again, every single book of the New Testament in particular is just infused with the revelation of what it means to walk in a godly character, a godly humility, and in this love, this agape, this brand new kind of love, this utter selflessness, which is what God is to us. One of the things that really strikes your spirit when you really look at this is when you begin to see how God is asking us to communicate and live toward others. You begin to see that that's how he is towards us. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's kind. He believes the best. It's an incredible thing. Hallelujah. But as before I go on with Galatians, I wanted to read another uh, few verses that Jesus again himself said. I'm going to reflect every from the, rest, the next several meetings. I want to do my best to bring something again of what Jesus himself said so that we can see this. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 25 in the Amplified. Now listen to this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, you shall not kill. He's talking about killing. That's what he brings up. You shall not kill. And whoever kills shall be liable to, shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. But I say to you that everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or harbors malice, harbors malice, enmity of heart against him, shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the court. And whoever speaks contemptuously and insultingly to his brother shall be liable to and unable to escape the punishment imposed by the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you cursed fool, you empty-headed idiot, shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell, the Gehenna of fire. So if when you're offering your gift at the altar, you there remember that your brother has any grievance against you, leave your gift at the altar. Don't do anything if there's any of that in your spirit or if you know that you've wronged somebody. Leave your gift at the altar and go. First, first, make peace with your brother or sister and then come back and then you can present your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way traveling with him, in other words, while you're doing life, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Now just really consider what Jesus is saying this. He says, guys, you've all heard that it said you shall not kill. But I'm trying to tell you that I see having anger and animosity in your spirit towards somebody else just like murder. 
think of that. And he said, don't allow that to come near you. Understand the consequences that may come if you continue to, to harbor malice and harbor this enmity of heart and you know, will towards someone. He said, whatever it is, it's not worth the consequences of being found guilty of murder. Now consider the depth of that. He's putting this in such serious terms that, you know, he's praying, he's hoping his disciples have no way whatsoever of misunderstanding. So as we continue today, like I said in the Love Walk in the Epistles, let's remember this. Jesus Christ spoke to this situation over and over again. Amen. Okay, well, our first scripture for today is in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Galatians again. Remember last week we spoke about Galatians in chapter 6, the first few verses where I spoke about, again, if you find a brother overtaken on a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, watching over yourself, lest you be tempted also. And Paul goes on down, and then verse 9 he says this, And let us not lose heart and grow weary. Did you know that weariness doesn't just happen instantaneously? You grow. You grow weary. It's something that you allow to take seed and you allow to begin its work. You grow weary. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in doing what? In acting nobly and doing right, walking in love. For in due time, there's always a due time. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. The issue is when you begin to walk in the love of God, we so want everybody to be instantaneously changed by our, our desire to love them in Christ the way God loves us. But this is why I remember last week it spoke about patience and perseverance in the process. You just have to understand it takes time. Some people have been so blinded by malice, so blinded by unforgiveness, that it's something that has become literally a habit. It's a habitual in their spirit. And it takes time. Let me, let me keep reading. For in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Verse 10. So then, as occasion and opportunity open to us, let's, let us do good morally to all people, not only being useful or profitable to them, but also doing what is for their spiritual good and advantage. I mean, you can't get much more simple than this. He's simply saying, do what blesses people. Do what helps people. In fact, that's what the next phrase says. He said, be mindful to be a blessing, especially to those of the household of faith, those who belong to God's family with you, believers. I love that simple say, be mindful to be a blessing. This simply means... Have your mind full of desire when I wake up. I want to be a blessing today. I just think that's a tremendous, you know, something to really walk with. Be mindful to be a blessing. Be mindful to be a blessing. And again, just to have a mind full of the desire. Today, I'm going to be a blessing. Again, we all know people, don't we, that when we see them, we actually enjoy being near them because they always seem to bring a joy, a happiness, and they bless. They say good things. They speak well of you. And that's the same thing God does to us. He always speaks well of you. I know the thoughts that I have for you, the thoughts for good, to do you good, to bless you in your future and in your work. And see, that's the same thing we're to have. Be mindful to be a blessing. Today, wherever I go, I want to be a blessing. And remember, to bless means to 
to uh, empower to prosper. I want to empower people to prosper today, don't you? I mean, be mindful to be a blessing. Now we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. As I said again, I'm repeating myself. We're going to move kind of quickly. Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk and lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you've been called, with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service. We're called to God's service. Living as becomes you. He just flat out now says, this is, what I, this is how we need to live. Living as becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, humility, meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness. Think gentleness, mildness, unselfishness. Gentleness, be gentle with people, mild, gentle, 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 mild, be unselfish. With patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. I love that phrase. Just like I said in the last time, we bear one another's issues, our troublesome moral faults again, remember. But he said, make allowances for people because you love one another. God makes allowances for you in your shortcomings and your mistakes. Why? Because of this love he has for you. He knows you're but earth, you're made of dirt. He knows you're going to slip at times, but he loves you. He makes allowances for that. And again, this is what, I mean, don't you, again, I thank God for my spiritual fathers, those who were around me when I was young in the Lord and when I was first being part of ministry teams and what have you. They, you know, I was young. I was like anyone else. I, I did things that weren't as accurate or one as one as or not as exactly God would have them to be done, to say the least, like we all do. Although you think, you know, you think you're really, you think you might have it together a bit. But thank God he put me in a nest of men who understood what it meant to love me and to make allowances for me. They wouldn't just critique me and beat me over the head and say, you're disqualified because of this, you're disqualified. No, they said, come on, Rod, you've done this. I, we saw the intent of your heart, but there's a better way to do it. There's a better spirit to do it in. They made allowances for me because they love me. And see, this is what I'm called to do for you and what you're called to do for me. I'm not perfect as a pastor, to say the least. But fortunately, thank God, you know, none of us, I guess you know this, I, I'm sure you've discovered this, no, none of us are perfect yet. None of us have arrived at the perfection of spirituality, have we? But the more we discern and dedicate ourselves to the love of God, the greater the spiritual maturity is that will come in our spirit. So take this seriously. Make allowances. People are going to slip up. People are going to be overtaken in a fault, like last week. Make allowances for one another. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and the oneness that's produced by the Spirit and the binding power of peace. Peace has the power to bind things together so that they cannot be separated. And the peace of God comes when you have the revelation that God loves me. It's okay. My ticket is punched, as it were. Heaven is my eternal home. I'm down here but for a short season, so it's okay. I'm not going to go crazy because something happens down here. I'm going to do what it says here. I'm going to be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony. That means, in other words, when I see something that's breaking the harmony, my job is to say, hey, guys, let's back up a little bit. 
Let's consider what we're saying, consider how we're thinking, and see if maybe we cannot do this from a better perspective, okay? Again, I'm just going to read something in my notes again. We are made aware of the vital importance of harmony and unity. Remember, the unity of believers is likened to the sweet half of the anointing that we know about in Psalm 133. Now in Ephesians, the next verses I want to look at are Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, which talks about speaking the truth, but speaking it in love. So let me read from verse 15. Rather let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Truth is pretty valuable. But listen to this statement. Enfolded in love. Enfolded wrapped up and folded in love let us grow up do you see that the way we're going to grow up mature is when we keep ourselves wrapped up in the god kind of love enfolded in love let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head even christ the messiah the anointed one for because of him, the whole body, the church and all its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its function. That's when it says it grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Oh, God help us. It grows to full. The body will grow to full maturity when we build ourselves up in love. In other words, when love is the mortar between the bricks, when love is the, the, the thing that designates what our acts of faith are all about, what our works are all about, is because it came from love. Do you catch that? I'll read it again. It says, for because of Jesus, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is applied, when each power, excuse me, when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all its function, it will then grow to full maturity because it's going to build itself up in love. Now I'm repeating myself again to see this is what I mean. When I, all those years ago, really began this quest because God led me on it and he had me read the whole Bible but particularly had me read the New Testament over and over again, like I said, just looking for these truths of character, looking for these things of, the, of human interaction that the Apostle Paul in particular spoke of so strongly. Of course, Peter does too. Peter says, and we'll get to later on, he says, you know, that you need to be, have a fervent love one for another. And the word speaks of a white hot, something so hot that it would cause welding together, something that cannot be ever separated. But nevertheless, it just so hit me, you know, this whole book is about the love of God. This whole book is about basically us behaving, behaving like God behaves. <laughs> Again, I pray you see that. Like I said, the more I see what I am to do as far as obeying or walking in the love of God, the more I see this is how God loves me. He's always mindful to be a blessing to me. His mind is full of wanting to be a blessing to you. He has nothing in him. The wrath of God was expended upon Jesus. There's nothing in him that wants to do harm to any of you. It is the goodness of God, again, that is intended to lead us to change the way we think, repentance.
Hallelujah. Well, now I'm going to jump to Philippians, and this is going to be the last passage that I'll read, and there's a little minor word study here I want to do. And this is Philippians 1, verses 9 through 10, in the Amplified first, <clears throat> where it speaks about how love is the factor which uh, causes you to actually see what's important. Love is what actually allows you, causes you, helps you to see what's vital, not what just, just skims the top and has a little bit of issue, but no, the thing that's really, what, what we really need to do. Philippians 1 verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound. Abound. We'll look at that in a moment. It's a word. I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development and knowledge and all keen insight. There's these clues there about what he's saying that love does. That is that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment, the King James says there, in judgment, that your love may display itself in greater judgment. But we'll look at that word too. Why? And then there's a why. That's what I mean. He says, first of all, let me read it again. I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development. Fullest, not just a little bit of it. He wants us to know the whole bag, that it might extend to its fullest development and knowledge and all keen insight. That is that your love may display itself in a greater depth of acquaintance with it and a more comprehensive discernment. Why? Verse 10. So, oh, this is so connected when you read it in the Greek lexicon, so that you may re surely learn to sense what is vital and that you might be able to approve and prize what is excellent and of real value. There's some things that have an appearance of value, but to God, they may not have any eternal weight of value. And see, we're to live a life that brings forth that which has an eternal weight to it, not a temporary feeling, but an eternal weight of value and glory. So that you may surely learn, once your love to abound, so that you might surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize and prize. That's the great prize. You begin to prize what is excellent and of real value. You reckon, learning to listen to this, recognizing the highest and the best, and you learning to distinguish the moral differences. And then it does this, and that it causes you to be untainted and pure, unerring and blameless, that with heart sincere and certain and unsullied, you will approach the day of Christ not stumbling or causing others to stumble. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Like they say, I'm preaching myself happy. To see how the depth, the length, the height, the breadth of this. It hit me so strong all those years ago when I really studied this out that it's love that will cause me to actually see clearly. It's being wrapped up and folded in God's love and having a revelation of this agape love that will allow me to see things that, quite frankly, other people don't see. You heard me say in the very beginning, you know, I, God's, I went through that thing, God is love. And he said, do you think I have good eyesight? Then I went, yeah, I'm pretty sure you, God Almighty, have great eyesight. And he said, but I'm love. He said, therefore, don't you see again what I'm trying to say? Love is the greatest vision you'll ever see through the greatest eyesight, the greatest lens, the greatest focus, that will allow you to see in detail what others just don't see. The more you mature in my love, the greater your ability to see. 
will become to discern, to understand, because love sees clearly. Strife doesn't see very clear because strife is, is occupied with self and wanting to justify itself. Now listen, it says that you may be, you'll be able to distinguish the moral differences. You'll be untainted and pure, unerring and blameless, that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you'll be able to approach the day of Christ, not stumbling. And more importantly, not causing others to stumble like we went when we were in Corinthians. Remember how our wanting to put forward our freedoms can cause other people to stumble. Now the King James, I'm going to read it from that because of the little simple words today. I want to go real quickly and then we'll close. Philippians 1, 9 and 10 again. King James, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more, more and more. It's more, <laughs> more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Now, just quickly, the word abound is this Greek word perisio. It's spelled P-E-R-I-S-S-E-U-O. It means to superabound, not just to abound, but to have more and more and more. That's why he said, I want you to love to superabound. I don't want it to be just even this level. I want you to walk in a love that's more than enough. That's what it says in one, one lexicon. I think it's theirs. More than enough. See, it's not that we just love people enough. No, we're called to do more than enough, to superabound. Just like the grace of God is where sin is abounded, God's grace is superabounded. We're to superabound in love towards others because that's when they see God. Remember, no man hath at any time seen God, but if we would love one another, God would dwell in us. The only way the world is going to see God is when they see his love in you and I as we live it out before them. Incredible. So that's what that means. It says to, it means to abound, means to exist in abundance, that you might abound. And then he said that you might abound in all judgment. The word of judgment is aisthesis. It's A-I-S-T-H-E-E-S-I-S. -E -E -S. It means to have true perception, cognition, or discernment. In other words, as I begin to dedicate myself and discipline myself. I'm going to be a blessing today. I'm not going to get angry easily. I'm not going to be easily irritated. I refuse that stuff. I do not want to be dis distanced from Almighty God. It says that's when I'll be able to have true perception. I perceive things like God does. That means I'll make better decisions. Cognition, discernment. And then it says you do that, that you might approve the things that are excellent. The word approve is aesthesis. It's similar to the same one. It means to distinguish or discern with accuracy. To discern with accuracy. And again, why? Why? How can this happen? Because we're abounding yet more and more in love. The more I abound in love, the more accurately you and I will begin to see. And it says that you might approve that which is excellent. The word excellent in the Greek is diaphero, D-I-A-P-H-E-R-O. It means to bear to the end. It means to see through to the end of a matter. In other words, to see things to what they really look like, to see things and understand what their actual value is. You, get, you see to the end of the matter. You don't just see the surface value of something. You begin to see the depth of why this is so vital. The depth of why walking like this is so important. Um, I see to the end of this thing. Uh, it's not what I see what it looks like right now, but I see the end result of what this will produce. 
That's what begins to happen in you. This is what it means when it says divinely direct the decisions will be on our lips. Because why? Because we're disciplining ourselves to superbound in the love of God. And the final thing is that it said that you may uh, be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Without offense is the Greek word aproskopon. It's spelled A-P-R-O-S-K-O-P-O-N. It literally means having nothing to strike against, nothing to cause stumbling. In other words, there's nothing that's going to be in your way. You'll be able to approach the day of Christ and nothing will be in your way. <laughs> in other words, there'll be no condemnation in your heart about things. You'll have such a supernatural peace of God because God loves me. Nothing is ever going to separate me from the love of God. God's going to love me no matter what. He will make allowances for my shortcomings. He makes allowances for your shortcomings. Nothing is ever going to separate you from his love for you. So as we again, just, just stay with me, I pray, and you stay, you know, diligent to look at these things. And I pray you listen to them a few times over and over, because again, it'll only do you good. But I'm praying so hard that your spirit will catch the length, again, the length, the height, the depth, and the breadth of this truth. Make this love your great quest. This is how you'll discern what has real value. The body of Christ will build itself up in love. All these verses that we go through that I'm going through, I just want you to see epistle after epistle after epistle is full of this. The love of God. God loves you. I love you. Julie loves you. We're so grateful that God has given us the family that he has. Father, I bless our people in the holy name of Jesus Christ. May this word gain abundant entrance into their spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.